This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Now it's time to enter into a world of innovation, a world of human struggles, heartbreak, and achievement. And most of all, a world of wonder. Welcome to CT Startup. I'm joined today by Dave. Hey, good morning. And Eric. Hey. And we're interviewing Ben with Hugo and Hobie. I said that right this time, yes? Yep, you got it. That's exactly Thanks right. Thanks for joining us, Ben. <laughs> Thanks um, so much for having us. I believe, uh, you know, you can you describe your business a little bit? I don't want to m- misdescribe it as it were. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, first of all, th- thanks so much for having me down. And um, yeah, so H- Hugo and Hobie is a design and fabrication company that works with a network of about 50 fabrication shops up and down the East Coast to design, fabricate, and deliver custom furniture for commercial clients. So offices, hotels, restaurants, um, really beautiful, high-profile uh, spaces, and we work to design custom furniture that's both locally made, uh, sustainably sourced, um, and just as furniture that when you walk into a room really, really uh, wows people. You, d- you did some of the furniture for District, if I'm not mistaken, yes? We did, we did. Uh, District was an amazing project to work on, and um, Urbane and uh, Digital Surgeons, et cetera, they, they did an amazing job uh, putting the, the space together and designing this incredible space. So we did a lot of the conference tables uh, for the Drive co-working space, which looks amazing kind of all the big tables uh 10 footers 12 footers 15 footers uh, for that space and then in the district innovation uh and venture center we did a bunch of mobile booths uh mobile tables these kind of uh district used to be a bus depot so we actually did these uh, really cool bus stops actually made out of steel and wood uh with kind of cool uh you know bus decals on the side uh, which i think came out really well as sort of a tribute to that space but uh, nothing at the law lab because we're too cheap. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Nothing at the law. I just say I was admiring all your fancy chairs out there. I was like, where? where where's the, it seems too sterile for <laughs> you. Know. So, so how did you get into furniture making? Like, was it was it a passion? Was it something you just stumbled upon, or what? Yeah, it was kind of a, the the way the company actually came about was kind of a very very happenstance in a lot of ways. Um, so my co-founder and I uh, both went to business school at Yale, and uh, we were both. I was a teacher before I went to business school. My co-founder was a consultant, uh, had no background in furniture whatsoever, um, no intention of starting a furniture company when we went to business school. But when we uh, we were actually roommates in business school, and when we uh, were moving into our uh, apartment in East Rock in, in New Haven. We uh, were just furnishing the place, and you, like at a necessity, or yeah, yeah, literally as a necessity. It was like one of these like kind of beat up East Rock apartments, and we literally need to get beds and side tables and dining tables and all that stuff to furnish it. And uh, through that experience, we were just as a lot of people were, we were just frustrated with kind of the just a bad experience overall. Like it's it wasn't fun buying the furniture. It wasn't fun. Uh, assembling it for sure. Uh, we didn't feel like there was any like really great brands that we were really excited about to actually buy from. Um, so it was one of these things where we were drinking beers, commiserating over it. And kind of through that process, we actually both found out that we both built furniture just sort of as a hobby. Um, 
And so uh, we bought some furniture, but we actually like, you know, on weekends and free times, we were building desks down in our uh, basement. We built a dining table, et cetera. And friends would come over and be like, whoa, this is like really cool stuff. Where'd you get this? And we were like, oh, we just like built it in our basement. And again, we are- throw it together, you know? We we really did. And and honestly, like I will say, we are not like fine furniture makers by any means. Uh, This is like cool looking furniture. It's very industrial, but like we are not fine furniture makers. We just do it for fun. Um, but it looks good and looks cool. And, uh, but kind of through that process, we came up with this idea that we really felt like there was a, a brand that was missing from the furniture space that actually made people excited about buying furniture, easy to buy, easy to assemble, um, made locally, made sustainably, that people would be actually excited to like click on a button and purchase it and um, have it shipped to their door. So that's kind of how the birth of Hugo and Hobie came about is through that process of uh, kind of building furniture for our own apartment. Now, er- earlier you said that you're, you largely sell to commercial spaces. Correct. So when we first uh, kind of, it was one of these like classic entrepreneurial problems where when we first started the company, we were, uh, we were really focused on kind of solving our own problem. So we were like, we had this problem of buying furniture for our grad school apartment. Um, we felt like a lot of sort of uh, young professionals moving into their first homes, buying their first homes, were kind of having the same frustration, which we found out they were. Um, and so when we first built the company, we were really building it as an e-commerce company, uh, you know, sort of Warby Parker style, really easy to purchase, um, really great branding, super easy to put together was, was a big part of the value proposition. And so we actually built the uh, company direct to consumer, uh, selling products through our website, um, shipping them in the mail, making them really easy to assemble. We used kind of like a batch ordering system where... Uh, We would collect pre-orders kind of like on a Kickstarter campaign, and we would actually build everything on demand and build in these kind of small batches and deliver to customers. Um, And then about a year or two into the business, we slowly started getting asked by commercial clients like restaurants and hotels and developers. They'd reach out and be like, wow, we really like the the furniture on your website. We're doing a new build out. Um, Would you guys, you know, do you guys ever do custom? And at first we were uh, reluctant to do it uh, because we were, you know, we were really focused on e-commerce, but we were taking on the work because we were a young startup. And through that process, we kind of found out that the commercial space has exactly the same problem as the uh, individual residential customers. And so we kind of realized through that, that that market is a lot bigger, a lot better for our business. And so we, we kind of pivoted into that space and we sort of shut down the e-commerce part mm-hmm. of our website and switched just to do commercial. And I just want to say it's, we we talk to a lot of different businesses and stuff, and you're you guys are actually making something, and it's not high tech, it's not world changing, right? Like this is this is because I'm just thinking back, you know, my first apartment, I was eating like we had a coffee table, and we had those chairs that you take the you know games like football games and stuff, the fold up chairs, and we used the coffee table to hold up the TV that I had stolen from college <laughs> to watch, and we were eating our food off of like cardboard boxes. So I'm just thinking about it. Was, like it was this. pretty grimy. <laughs> you remember my apartment? It was pretty hit. Yeah, Chris, are, are are you complimenting him or are you insulting him? I'm not sure. What <laughs> no, I'm like here. I'm like talking about like this is like he was like I need furniture. I'm gonna go make it. I ate off of a cardboard box for three yeah, months. Yeah, but like. <laughs> But, but you're like, you're like, but you're not world changing. You're not. I mean, in a sense, you are, though, because uh, you talk about this is the sustainable local kind of practice, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And by the way, like, I, I actually. I'm a dick. <laughs> I, can, can we, can, I just need to save that bit of recording. Make sure we put that on the loop somewhere. <laughs> Sorry, um, no, 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 no problem. And I actually, you know, it's funny, like, the, um, I, I do feel like as kind of, 
you know, exclusively technology products uh, come out more and more. Um, I, I love having a product that you can see, you can feel, um, that actually lives in a space for a really long time. So, I mean, the other part is not only is it a physical product, but it's also a physical product that actually lasts a long time. So it's really cool. You know, you get to go to a restaurant or a hotel and, you know, you get to actually like see the pieces and, you know, you, you toil over these incredible designs for a long period of time, but it's like really, really fulfilling. You know, I walk through district, I work uh, at a district every day and like walking through that long hall and getting to see these really cool mobile boots and people sitting at them. It's like a really satisfying thing and, and definitely uh, keeps me going on that front um so yeah yeah it's a lot of fun have you uh have you um so commercial clients right there that's a whole variety hotels to restaurants to this to that is there something that you're specializing in is something that you like more than others or i think the really two big spaces that um we've had the most success with as a business have been uh, offices and universities and two really interesting clients one is um offices basically nowadays are starting you know just like you see with the district they kind of look a little bit more like restaurants right they're um you know an an office 30 years ago was kind of boring furniture yeah. and this kind of like veneers and dark wood and like, you know, a high end law firm would want to like look very polished. But at the end of the day, it was like pretty boring spaces. Yeah. Nowadays, uh, co working spaces in particular have kind of changed that mindset. So now you see kind of bigger law firms and consulting firms that were traditionally really buttoned up, they want to have really cool spaces to actually like attract clients. So they're doing much more open floor plans, big conference tables, hip booths. And they like, you really walk into the space and you're like, this kind of reminds me of like a really nice restaurant. Um, It's kind of open floor plan booths. Mm -hmm. Everyone's working at laptops. And um, that's been really great for our business because uh, traditional furniture makers uh, that kind of mass produce products, they're not really making uh, products that I think work individually for brands and match that brand aesthetic that they're going for. So, so they, they have product that can be repurposed for potentially that, like, you know, kind of that open feel or whatever, but not like for the individual drive versus upward Hartford versus this versus that. Right. Totally. Exactly. And I, and I think more and more people want to, you know, brands want to have their furniture and their designs reflect Mm -hmm. what the actual culture of the company is. And and to do that, you really need to kind of be thoughtful and, you know, uh, particular about about what you're buying. I think Dave can talk about this because I know this, uh, the law lab doesn't look like this. Uh, His office doesn't look like this. uh, (laughs) 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 Well, I, I mean, this is fascinating to me because not only did we, you know, have to build out the law lab in the past year, but in the next year we're moving our Hartford office. Oh, really? And uh, we we're moving to a building where we've got a clean blank slate. And we've been in our current offices for over thirty years. Oh. And Ben is exactly right. You know, it's 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 outdated, but it's also like dark and dark woods and. And, you know, there's a library, like, right out front filled there with law books that, that nobody touches or has touched. I was going to ask about the library, <laughs> yeah. actually. Yeah. So, so we've been, we've been uh, working on a test fit for the new space and, and, and arguing over the floor plan. And things we're talking about are open conversation areas, uh, having instead of a kitchen area that's, in, that's internal without windows, to have a cafe that's on exterior with the windows and where you can work out of it as opposed to just being a kitchen. And, yep. you know, and setting up a little... Uh, uh, you know, having a major conference room with like almost like barn doors that opens out to the lobby so that you could have big events and things like that. And so, we, you know, we've been talking about all this stuff. We, we haven't picked a furniture provider yet. Oh, Just yeah. <laughs> I, I might know some. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so a question, uh, is that... Is it really for the clients or is it also for like the, the partners? Like are it's the partners, is it, are the partners saying I want a better uh, feel for my. Well, actually the number one comment we've gotten from, from uh, associates, partners and staff is they want stand up desks. 
they would they yeah. want they, they want desks that electronically go up and down. Um, I was, I'm so, so they're, they're, they're like, anything stuff. else I was doing we don't care about. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the number one thing they, they mentioned. <laughs> yeah, because um, sitting sucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> already then. And uh, yeah, so it, there's that. But they, it is different because, you know, especially when uh, one of the big changes is I have my other partners come down here and visit me at the district, right? Mm -hmm. And they see this space and they're like, this isn't a law firm. This is totally different. And I'm like, yes, that's how we work today. We work in spaces. I mean, my number one goal for this space, and I, I don't mean to go on, Ben, uh, but you, I think you'll identify with this, is I wanted different seating heights. I wanted people, could, they could sit at stools around a round table, or they could sit in an intimate couch living room type configuration, yep. or they can sit in like what we call our princess chairs, which are these big chairs with oh, massive fantastic. backs and sides. And, and create an intimacy in an, open, an otherwise open space. And so when you think about that, anybody who comes in here can find some place to work that's comfortable to them. And, and, and that's, you know, trying to build that into a law firm environment, you know, is a challenge, but it's one that I think that we need to take on to adjust to the kind of place where people want to come to work. Mm -hmm. Well, and so actually that... Ben's nodding, just so everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, I'm not Ben's like, yeah, yeah, you're selling yourself. <laughs> no, no, I, like, just keep quiet, right? <laughs> um, so could we, I want to talk a little bit more about the business uh, model there. It, it, so you use sustainable materials when possible and you work with local manufacturers, is that right? Correct. Can, so that sounds challenging to set up. Uh, how do you kind of go about, what's the process there? You work with a lot of different suppliers now, correct? What was the early days like? Yeah, yeah, totally. No, definitely a challenging, challenging process and, and completely agree, by the way, with the um, designing spaces that, that work for the culture of the firm, but the, the, um, also the diversity of people, you know, just to, to get back to that one. But yeah, no, in terms of the, in terms of the business and kind of uh, that challenge and, and how we work with uh, our uh, furniture makers and fabrication partners. So we basically work with small, to medium-sized furniture makers kind of from D.C. all the way up to Maine, um, at least at the moment. These are everyone from wood shops, uh, welders, uh, upholsterers, uh, glass makers, et cetera. We, we basically can, you know, with our network of fabrication partners, can practically build anything, um, which is really amazing. So we rarely get asked to, you know, someone brings a project. We're actually kind of the firm that people come to when they're like, we have this crazy idea. Um, you know, can you build it? And the answer is generally yes. <laughs> I like you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, awesome. and so, and it comes with the challenges too. So working with a lot of different uh, people in different shops, they have different styles, different cultures. And um, one of the things, the reason we set up our business like that is because one of the things that we were witnessing is that most of the furniture that gets bought in the U.S. is actually manufactured overseas. Yep. And uh, there's all these amazing furniture makers all throughout the United States. I mean, really, really incredible furniture makers, like some of the best in the world. And what we were seeing is that a lot of people are bypassing uh, some of these small furniture makers, not because they make, you know, they don't make amazing furniture. One, because they a lot of times operate sort of old school businesses. These and they're are, not accessible, right? They're yeah. just like, I can't talk to you, man. Like, yeah. let me send you an email. Totally. <laughs> they, they have old school systems of uh, email and like old websites and things like that. It's like, it's a little bit hard to navigate as a customer. So you oftentimes are like, you know what? I'm just going to like, you know, do whatever easy. And so we saw this great opportunity of um, really great, amazing people who are doing incredible work. They're really living their life's passion as well um, and supporting those local manufacturers um, to actually build the furniture. 
while connecting them to these amazing customers who actually want to buy from them. That's what's really fascinating to me is like their ideal world is actually to buy from these makers, but we're kind of creating this process where it's easier to um, work with us in a sense to like design, deal with the project management, logistics, et cetera. Um, and then we work really, really closely with these shops to actually build. And it's it's a really close relationship. Like it's, um, you know, I spend about half my time actually in physical shops, checking in on projects. I'm like friends with all of the furniture makers we make uh, pro uh, products with. And so it's a really intimate, close relationship. And I think that's really important to what we do um, and celebrating the work they do. It's like, if you're gonna buy local, like we love putting the name of the fabricator who actually made it, where it was made, the wood species, all of that stuff, because it's an amazing story, so. Hmm. It's, it's so much more interesting than just going to Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so. <laughs> now, now you, what you just described to me was more like the B2C, right? Like that, was that, was that kind of like a B2C or you're in, but you all, I mean, you clearly do that for the, you know, the big clients as well, but is, do you, are you, obviously you're making good money with that and you're, you're able to sustain a company, but is your true passion really to get it back to the consumer too? Or is it, you're like, listen, that's not even where we're trying to focus. At the moment, we're really still focused on just B2B. I do think there's a world where we, and we're already sort of starting to dabble in a little bit of coming back to B2C because there's still, we get reached out to all the time to basically say like, hey, I'm a, you know, like just bought a new home, like saw your products, we love them. Um, can you work with us? And the, the answer generally is actually like, it's actually a little complicated to do that for small projects. So we're really focused on these big kind of, offices, hotels, restaurants, et cetera. And um, actually even more so uh, big commercial clients uh, bypass local fabricators even more than uh, individual customers because on a big project, they're kind of, there's a lot of concern actually that, well, we've never worked with a shop. We don't know that's going to come on time. They can't handle this project. They can't and... handle it, blah, blah, blah. But actually working with a network of a lot of shops allows us where one of these smaller individual shops of maybe a five-person, 10-person shop, they couldn't handle it on their own, but a group of four to five working together, which we're able to facilitate, um, actually can. So actually a really great example of that is um, just down the street at uh, Yale Law School. They just built a new residential hall called Baker Hall, 110-bedroom uh, residential hall, and actually all of the furniture for that project uh, was built in Connecticut uh, within 30 miles of the space. Um, it's an amazing thing. I mean, you know, we built it all from ash. It's all hardwood furniture, really beautiful stuff. And this, this network of local fabrication partners actually making it happen. Um, and so, you know, to me, that's, that's the ideal commercial project is keep it as local as possible, um, make a connection to the community. And I think that's really important. So, you know, kudos to them for doing that and the architects for uh, kind of facilitating that uh, period associate. So nice, nice. So any uh, any uh, cool projects you got coming uh, coming in Connecticut or any any other uh, big ones that are on the horizon? Yeah, we've we've been doing actually a lot down in um, we've we've been doing a lot of work in D.C. and a lot of work uh, up in Boston. So we're doing a, a couple of big office renovations now down in D.C. Um, so one is for an education startup and uh, doing these like really amazing custom made boots. Uh, they're actually made in Connecticut because we, we work with an amazing uh, upholsterer up here. But um, amazing boots, divider walls, tables made from like old hundred year old reclaimed oak. Um, we use a cool flame throwing technique called a uh, shusugi ban, where you basically flame throw the wood to kind of bring out the grain. I'm sorry, flamethrower. <laughs> <laughs> flame throwing. Yeah, oh, my 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 interest is peaked. <laughs> um, uh, Actually, that's kind of something, too. Like, the, uh, I, I come from a uh, work-with-your-hands background. I do marketing now, but, you know, I grew up 
working with my hands, seeing all the different tools and techniques. And in a sense, you know, there's almost like, I've, I've heard this from a lot of older gentlemen who are in this industry, like they're worried these things are going to kind of die out. They're going to, you know, they're not going to be able to pass their knowledge on. And I, you know, I, what, what you're doing is kind of giving them an opportunity now to like put that more out in front because with the commercial work, right? People are going to be using this all day, every day, and they're going to be different people are coming and going and seeing this furniture, and if it's, you know, stands out to them, it makes them feel emotion, versus some rich person who pays, you know, $10,000 for a couch, and the only, you know, only 20 people ever sit on it, and, you know, it's lifespan, right? Totally. So, I'm kind of curious, are you kind of, like, looking at this also maybe in... Um, celebrating this more too, you know, kind of like giving these, these small shops an opportunity to put themselves more out there. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, that's, that's one of the big, you know, goals of our company and big visions is, um, again, you know, that story, you know, furniture is just for, if it's just a table, it's just a table, like nobody connects with it. They don't really care. It's kind of boring. Honestly, nobody's ever going to notice it. They're never even going to comment on it, on it. Um, but it's amazing when you do do something unique and different and instantly people are drawn to it. It's like, a, it, it's amazing. And I think one of the big parts of that and one of the things we try to do with our pieces is, um, yeah, celebrate the amazing uh, fabrication uh, furniture makers that we work with and um, telling the story of, you know, where it was made and how it was made and the wood species that was used and, and all of that is just is su such an amazing part behind it and also putting a face behind it. So mm -hmm. I think... Um, you know, so, you know, with like mass production faces have gotten lost of like, who actually made this or like, where was it made? Nobody has. What, idea. Bob didn't make it? <laughs> Bob, yeah. Old Bob, yeah. I, I was pretty sure he did, but yeah. It turns out probably not. Um, <laughs> yeah, but totally. And, and, you know, I think people connect with that of like really getting to, to know the maker behind it. And, and we, we celebrate that and, you know, we try to showcase that as much as possible. Um, yeah, because it's a lot of fun, and, and I think it's the right thing to do. So, is yeah. there a significant price difference between if I if I bought a commercial if I went to a commercial manufacturer, and, but if I, or if I wanted something made local, you know, what's the markup on that? It depends. I mean, so if you were to, it, it definitely can be more expensive if you know people when you're building custom um if you're buy, buying a single table for example it's definitely going to be more expensive because there's a lot of design work that goes into actually like making a design work right and developing it etc but actually what i tend to find interesting is that um if you're actually doing a big project and you're doing lots of tables and benches and, and kind of taking on the whole thing it actually starts to be very comparable to what you would get from working with a big manufacturer because all of a sudden we're able to kind of leverage gains and big projects, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so you're able to get kind of custom, beautiful, way longer lasting pieces for around the same price. Um, and I also think about durability as a big thing. And, and, you know, I see a lot of furniture that, um, <laughs> especially in like places like restaurants and stuff where like they get really heavy use, um, you know, thinking about the long term of like good finishes, actually using good products, like it makes a big difference in terms of how long a piece will actually last. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's pretty complicated. Need better wheels if they're going to be rolled around all the place. You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that, that, I think that just is a fair point, too. Like, we do live still in a throwaway culture. You know, I, I have a dresser that was my father's dresser when he was a child. It's literally older than him, and it's still going. And it's very simple. It's just, it's, it's, um, jointed so it's got it's what wood is it? um yeah it's wood right it's real wood oh son of a bitch i know what this means too the where they jointed things together they have the different uh notches and they all fit together 
Ah, the hell with it. Um, but it's just, <laughs> there's not a lot of nails. I just want to say that you, sir, are a wordsmith. <laughs> I just want you to know that. I can really string those sentences together. Right? Hard to believe I do this for a living. Um, ah, son of a bitch. So, so is there is there a, type, a piece that you, you like to do more than, more than not? Like, for instance, like, I love a good farm table, right? Or, you know, is there, is there something that when they're like, oh, we love, that's what I really like to design? Yeah, no, totally. Um, I think the place where we have sort of the most uh, flexibility and get to sort of have the most fun with pieces are really big conference tables. So (laughs) I would say my favorite piece of design is um, like a boardroom table because, um, for example, we did... um, we recently did a boardroom table was uh, six feet wide by 18 feet long. It was made from a black walnut tree that came down in the city of New Haven. So we work with a, a partner here that uh, city bench that salvages uh, urban wood. So when trees come down in the city, uh, they actually salvage the wood, mill it, et cetera. And so we uh, turn this incredible black walnut tree into this just massive boardroom table uh, powered. So like power units up on the top. Um, and it's just, it's live edge. It's really thick. It's like two and a half inches thick. It's an amazing piece. And it, it's it's a showstopper. You walk in the room and it's like, it blows you away. It's not 18 feet, like one piece. Like, uh, it's, it's built in sections. So okay. built in I was, I was sections. like, how are you going to get into one? Uh, yeah, yeah. getting in the freight <laughs> elevator even in four sections was uh, a, it was a lot of work. I just, whew, I don't want you guys to get hot in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know, it's just me being a lawyer, but a long black conference table sounds fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Nothing I love more than office furniture. So. I'm going to have to put an X rated on this. Uh, Jeez. Nice, nice. We so, talk okay, about cool. real wood in this one. Yep. Jeez. Oh, really wow. went there. Um, so, uh, so, for anybody that any um, office, any law firm, any accounting firm that really wants to spruce up their 30 year old uh, you know, office building, uh, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, they can uh, they can reach out to uh, to us uh, com is how you reach us and yeah info at hugoandhobie.com and we'll we'll get back to you and talk about designs and get into the weeds of <laughs> beautiful wood and I mean we're we're basically design and material geeks so we we love talking about random stuff like that so very cool very cool well thank you very much Ben and uh, you know good luck on the shoulder yeah thanks so much for having <laughs> me really appreciate it thanks thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. We would like to thank both Sublime Exposure Online and Mirtha Kalina for providing resources and space to CT Startup, which make this show possible. See you next week.